Welcome back. This is TKW Draft Season, presented by the Knicks Wall Podcast, which is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Make sure you fire blue. Make sure you follow Blue Wire Pods on Twitter at Blue Wire Pods. Make sure you follow the Knicks Wall at the Knicks Wall on Twitter. Joining me today, as always, Joseph Nardone. Joseph, how you doing, buddy? I am living the dream, my friend. Also, still in pajama pants. We're on week whatever the quarantine. Uh, I'm going to do this podcast with you, then play the Final Fantasy VII remake. That just sounds like the American dream to me. It really is. Like, it doesn't get much better, all things relative and within the context of not being able to leave my house. Yeah, it's funny. I was telling my coworker, I was like, I'm finally dressing for the job I want, and it's it's been good, man. I'm, I've been wearing, wearing a Carmelo Anthony jersey <laughs> for the past five days, and I have no plans of taking it off either, so... That's like that LA Times uh, tweet the other day about if you're working from home, you should still dress for the job you want. And I made the joke, you know, fuck off. Right. Like I'm in full frontal nudity then. You know what I mean? It's for the job (laughs) I want. Like, you know, get out of here. Like, yeah. If you wear jeans inside the house, you're a confirmed psychopath. Right. And if you want to, that's cool. You know what I mean? But like, I've worked from home now for years, like for several years and People are lucky I shower. You know what I mean? <laughs> really it's like, I'm not putting on like a dressed button down shirt. Like I'll do it sometimes just to break up the monotony. 99% of the times I'm on my pajama pants until I have to get the kids from school. Well, isn't the key to working from home and not getting in that funk, just moving? Like I just make sure I'm not in my room when I'm working. I just go downstairs. Yeah. You break it up. Like, right? Like, okay? Yeah. Just okay. have a room for work. Right. Like I'll do. X amount of hours in my bedroom, X amount of hours in my kitchen, X amount of hours in my living room. I have like, you know, like I'll break up my day with like a, a quick, like high intensity workout, uh, not the flex, but yeah, pandemic workout, <laughs> but like stuff like that. Like you can't just sit in the same spot. It's like a normal job, right? Like you're not going to mm-hmm. just, if you work at eight or 10 hour shift, you're literally not going to work for eight or 10 hours. You're going to take that five minutes to chat with a coworker or whatever here and there. Plus your scheduled breaks when you work from home. At least for me, I can't speak for everybody. Do your own process, whatever makes you happy. But I have to break it up a little bit. And uh, even going outside on my deck for like five minutes just to get the air and like stare at the mountains, you know? Yeah. Oh, I mean, damn, that's a good ass view. I just stare at uh, the New York skyline. Which is also a good view. You make it sound like it's horrible. The New York skyline's like... Well, if you're looking at downtown, it's good. I'm looking at uptown, so it's kind of just looking at buildings. It's not as exciting. (laughs) But yeah, if I was looking at downtown, I would be having a much different take on that. But staring at mountains, I think that's that's top notch. Oh, dude, it's so dope. Um, and the other, this is a very first world uh, selfish benefit of the pandemic. I live right by an airport, the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Airport, international airport somehow. Um, usually, like you cannot see the sky, stars in the sky because of all the airplane traffic. There's Mm. not a lot of that now, obviously, because of the lack of travel. And I could see, like, the the sky is so clear now. I could see, like, a ton of the stars. Um, I think I'm – 
I don't know if it's the North Star or one of the planets I'm seeing now that I could never see <laughs> before. Uh, it's beautiful out there now. Like I just spend time on my deck at night, like staring up at the sky, which is like if I did it before, uh, I would just see planes. Now I see actual like the actual night sky, which is super dope. Yeah, I'm. A, I've been seeing that around the world too. Funny you mentioned that, where pollution's down because we're all in, inside. I'm trying to see if this drags out for a while in New York. We might be able to see clear water on the Hudson River again. So, yeah, that's exciting news. Yeah, that's <laughs> centuries of pollution that needs to be uh, corrected. Not that and probably a ton different. of dead bodies too. Oh man, the ma- the mafia is probably freaking out. Like, there's, <laughs> not, there's not going to be that other pollution thrown into the to, to the Hudson to you know push the bodies back down they're just gonna bubble back to the top <laughs> i wish we had sopranos for now like sopranos should come back just to do uh well now they can because poor james is gone but if they were able to do a coronavirus era episodes that would have been gold because i just picture the hijinks that's one of my fear though right like after all this like uh all the coronavirus inspired content that's going to be oh it's gonna bad. be through the roof well, but it's also going to be, there's going to be a lot of bad stuff, like a lot of lack of awareness or taste. Like you're going to like, you know, the joke everybody was making at the beginning, like uh, Shakespeare's King Lear was written during the plague and mm-hmm. people be like, this is my King's Lear and it'd be somebody's gift. Um, <laughs> I do get like, there's going to be a lot of cool creative stuff that comes out of this, you would hope. Um, but then I, I also imagine there's going to be like, because it, it's already happening. You could go on Twitter or wherever else and see it. People mm-hmm. using this as an opportunity to to grift their way to fame and create the kind of content that serves a very specific kind of base. The kind of base that goes and protests, says COVID-19 is not real, while wearing a mask to protect themselves from the uh, virus. No, you got to love that. That's just hypocrisy 101. But speaking of hypocrisy, look at this transition right here. Speaking of hypocrisy, the NCAA, they're in trouble, Joe. Before we get into the Jalen Green news, I just have one question for you. Do you blame this on Rick Pitino? Because ever since he came back, they just lost their top prospect of the 2020 class. And now I believe Jalen Green, top prospect in 2020, is starting a trend. So do you blame Rick Pitino for the collapse of college basketball? Oh, it's a direct correlation, the causation. It's everything was fine. And then the pandemic happened, and then Rick Pitino came back. These things aren't uh, coincidental. This is a direct path. You know, like, I've read the scripture before. The person returns. The trumpets go. Like, the New York Post wrote a thing today about Rick Pitino still got the recruiting touch. Those are the trumpets blowing. Are you kidding me? They, that, yeah. that was a story? Yes, yes, from somebody I actually really like and respect, so I'm not going to say his name. But okay. um, fair enough. This is the devil returning home during a time of crisis, but he's being, but he's being hailed as this great guy still, still somehow. Um, yeah. So it's another sign of the end of the world. Yeah. It's, it sucks. I'm, I'm kind of a catch 22. So Jalen green, he was, I believe he, is he a shooting guard? I think, he, well, he's six, five number one prospect in 2020. He's being recruited by Kentucky, which he was going to go to. That's not confirmed, but I'm saying it. Memphis was also in the mix. Arizona, top colleges, Kansas. He's going to the G League. So he now, instead of playing for free, he can make up to $500,000, can get sponsorships at an earlier age, and he can still get a full scholarship from the G League. 
And there are reports, it's not confirmed yet, that the league is thinking about creating a whole new team for Jalen with other kids out of high school, and it's going to be like a travel-heavy schedule. So initially I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But on the other side, I feel like G League is going to turn into a pseudo-AAU team, AAU league. So I don't know what that's going to do for a a developmental aspect. Joe, what was your immediate reaction when you heard Jalen Green, the top prospect, was going to the G League instead of overseas or to a college? This is the NBA's first of many, many steps in a very long, long process of making the G League a more marketable um, brand of basketball. So that will eventually result in, you know, like it becoming something they could sell to broadcasters and be a developmental thing. So like they have this thing going on in L.A. where they're going to do that for, you know, basically they want to get like the very top high school prospects. The guys that would, you know, be one and done instead of going to college, go there uh, or the guys that would be like the prep, the pros, you know, 15 years ago, whenever that stopped. So. My first reaction was, okay, this they're finally going to start doing it. They're doing it in baby step ways, and they're going to dedicate an entire team to this. They're actually stealing some of the NBL model um, to do it, which is fine. The NBL has that uh, – it's not called Pathway to the Pros. The Rising Stars or the Rising whatever the heck pathway they have that it's called, where they specifically create these things for guys like RJ Hampton and other guys to uh, get ready for the NBA. The G League committing this amount of money, um, again, this isn't going to apply to every player, right? It's only going to apply to, like, the top five guys per year. Um, this kind of money, those kind of resources, it's 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 a pretty significant deal. I do not think it's the death of college basketball. I know we're going to talk about that in a minute. Not yet, at least. Um, but, yeah, I, my first reaction was, yeah, this is the first step towards a soccer-styled, European-styled uh, farm system where they're going to start getting these kids in younger. Yeah, that's what I'm most excited about because for years I always felt that the soccer European soccer model was one of the cleanest models because it's no bullshit. It's like I'm bringing you into my academy. You're going to be in my feeder system and then you can become a pro. It's not all the shady, oh, I'll pay you 100000 to come play for my school for a year and then we'll get you to the NBA where you can't choose where you want to go. I kind of like that model a lot. And you brought up a good point. I think this is only really going to hit the top ends of those recruiting classes. Like now, uh, Isaiah Todd, he was 10th overall in 2020. He decommitted from Michigan and is expected to join the G League as well. But that's the only names I'm hearing. Cade Cunningham, who's my favorite player out of 2021 draft class, he's still going to Oklahoma State. His brother was brought on as assistant coach. So I don't think that's going to change. My question for you is, do you think colleges are going to have to step up their shady behavior if they want to keep the top guys? Because they don't have to. As a Rutgers fan, I love this because now there's going to be less schools with that one beast. But do you think colleges are going to start bending over backwards to keep a Cade Cunningham or keep a Jalen Green? Or you think they're going to let them go to the G League and just work with, go back to the basics of team basketball and college basketball dominating? Well, here's the thing. We already have the answers to the test. We had the prep, the pro era. College basketball is fine. Do you know what I mean? This only applies to, I, I think people always forget. I know it got a little wild to the end of the prep, the pro era when guys that shouldn't have been declaring out of high school were, but 
we have the answers to the test. Was college basketball fine during the prep the pro era? Yes. Same thing. It's literally the same thing. It's going to be five, six guys a year leaving. We already know the NCAA is not going to bend over backwards. Um, there's also going to be more alternatives for these kids anyway. So you have that NBL thing, NBL thing I mentioned earlier. You have now the G League uh, dedicating more resources and money in a realistic way, right? Like I guess before it was $50,000 or whatever thousand dollars a year. And then you have like the PCL, which is doing the in-college model free ride, but it's only like 100K a year. Um, so no, I don't see the innocent. I don't see why they would. Like there's really no reason, right? This is the one, I don't want to say the one sport, but it's one of the few sports where the name on the front of the jersey matters more than the name on the back. I say this all the time as a guy that covered college basketball for 10 years. Nobody watches, nobody honestly, they'll say they will, but nobody honestly watches college basketball for the on-the-court on product. They watch it for the stories, the the connection to the school, whatever reason they have the connection for the school, whether they went there or they just have like a moment as a child. They don't watch it for the stars or like how good the games are, right? Like because most of the games are trash. Like most of the guys shoot 30% from the floor and 28% from three. And most of those guys, like they're good relatively speaking. But like, you know, if you want to watch actually good basketball, you watch the NBA. So no, I don't think this... If I'm the NCAA, this doesn't make me change anything because it's like five dudes a year. So like, whatever, go, go. Like you, you, we already did this one once we did this during the prep to pro era and we were just fine. That's I think that's what my fear is. I think it's a little bit of overreaction on my part, but I watch college to watch Cade. I watch college to watch Jalen because my true college team will probably be Rutgers since I went there. But as a Kentucky guy, that's the main reason I became a Kentucky fan is like, all right, Cal is going to bring in a slew of top NBA prospects. Let me see how they play together for a year. And let me see which guys are worth giving a shit about beyond Kentucky. Maybe now guys like Cal and coach K who jumped on the bandwagon late, do they shift back to their model? I guess that's a more important question because college as a whole, like you said, is it going to be really affected, but maybe do you think the blue bloods are the ones that are going to have to bend over backwards instead of college overall? Because, I feel like Duke kind of went all in on just getting top, like three top 10 players and not worrying about the rest because we saw what happened with the Zion year. It was Zion, RJ, and Cam, and the rest of the team was absolute trash. So do you think, like, Duke, Kentucky, Arizona, you think those guys are in trouble? No, I don't. I mean, think about this way. Like, we could bring Rick Pitino into this conversation as well. Remember Sebastian Telfair, how highly touted he was yeah. coming out of high school? He committed to Calipari, and then he decided last minute not to go, and he was fine. Like, it's the, the number of guys that are going to take this route, like, at least for now, it's like five dudes a year, max. So, like, is one dude per 40 programs going to change college basketball that much? No. It's just not like, I know what you're saying like, Oh, I like, I like watching Kentucky for the stars. Well, guess what? They're going to tell you and you're going to believe it that like, say it's the top five guys every year, but it's not the top five guys every year. You even just said it. Yep. Isaiah Todd was the 10th ranked guy. So you have the second through the ninth ranked guy. So guess what? It's no longer Jalen green's the top guy. The next guy's the top guy. And guess what we're going to do? Talk yep. about the next top guy. You know what I mean? Like it's just college basketball is, 
oh, I'm going to use another horrible analogy. Like I did the one earlier about like, you know, we already have the answers to the test. This is about like, we already know how the sausage is made, right? Every year it happens. We don't, a large percentage of the country don't know, don't know who any of the college basketball players are, especially the freshmen. I know the Zion Williamson thing was different because he had the whole YouTube thing, but most of the time, nobody knows who anybody is until about March. And when March hits, guess what the college basketball media will do? We'll have created a star. And whether or not he's actually good or not, we'll have everybody convinced he's good. Remember Deron Williams? Or Derek? Yeah, what, what was the guy that played at Arizona and then he ended up being a ball? Derek Williams. Yeah, like, listen, the kid was a good college basketball player. but And that was his sophomore, well, his freshman year. He was also, that's when we created him. I say we, I'm just humping myself in there because I was, you know, a media member at the time. Um, we made the dude a star. We made everybody be like, yeah, he's really good. He was oh, Mitch McGarry. His I, I love Mitch run. McGarry at the time. Like, dude. Right. You know, you know why? Because everybody told you how good he was. And he wasn't like, if you watched his regular season, I remember at the time fighting with people be like, because I watched so much college basketball to be like, yeah, he's not actually that good. I don't know why people are going nuts. Um, and that's way before the back issues. And I do feel bad for him because he actually had a good couple summer league runs. And we could do a whole podcast on <laughs> Mitch Bagheri. That's the first time he's um, ever going to get that. And then he came back and his stock got dropped. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, you know, like, he, he, it's not his fault people right. overvalued him after that freshman run. Um, and then he, you know, the weed issues and all that stuff. I don't want to call them issues. He smokes weed or whatever. A lot of people smoke weed. Um, but, yeah, we'll create people and everybody will buy it. Because people love basketball and people love March Madness. So, like, if the there there is at some point going to be a cutoff of this, like, as the G League does this, but it's going to take so long for it to actually impact college basketball. And I know right now, like, the thing is, the, the easy thing to do, right, is there's a lot of um, combining storms happening at the moment. There's this, the G League doing this, the PCL doing it, the NBL doing it. Then you have the NCAA in trouble with uh, – name, image, and likeness, and then, you know, just general NCAA tomfoolery happening all at once. Still, baby steps. Right now, we have two guys doing this. And then last year, we had two guys take the NBL route. Right now, we have zero guys taking the PCL route. So, our high is still two people. Do you know what I mean? So, like, if you bump that up to five people, it still doesn't really move the needle. Like, it's just not going to move the needle that much. It's not going to move the needle until... You know, of the ESPN's top 100 players, 33% of them are not playing in college basketball. But even then, college basketball is the rare sport where people are legitimately rooting for the teams more so than they are the players. Like, the NBA is a star-driven league, right? I don't know how many guys I've met in my life when I go, who's your favorite team? And they'll be like, whoever Michael Jordan's on, you know, or whoever this player's on. Whatever team that player is playing for. It's not that way for college, right? Like, very rarely are you going to hear, uh, who's your favorite college basketball team? Whoever Jalen Green commits to. You know, you know what I mean? Like, you either like Rutgers, St. John's, Kentucky. Like, whoever you like, you like, for whatever reason, right? Like, I, I grew up liking St. John's. Because the first game I ever saw in person was Bootsy Thornton dropping 40 on, on, on Duke at the Garden, mm-hmm. right? So that that's why I like St. John's. You like Rutgers because you went to Rutgers. You have an emotional connection to those schools. Not to those players. Like, you might like those players and remember them fondly if years go on, but only because you like the school first, right? Like, think of your favorite Rutgers right. players. And the grand scheme of things, you're the only dude that likes those Rutgers players, and the only only people that like those players are Rutgers fans. Why? Because you like Rutgers. 
Not really because you like those players. You know what I mean? Like you do like those players, but it starts now. First do you think you like it's Rutgers. gonna get like how long? Do you think before guys that shouldn't be going to the G League because Jalen Green's making five hundred k, but that's not the standard. This five hundred k is also including the sponsorships he's gonna get, which he's a charismatic guy. Apparently, I haven't really looked too much into him, but he's a star player, so he's gonna get sponsorships. I'm worried about the thirtieth guy in the class who's probably not ready doesn't have a lot of sponsorship potential he's going for the $125,000 grab which is good for him but after that that could derail his year where he could have went to college for a couple years and really honed in his game that's where my focus is at and like I said turning into the AU type style continuing that from middle school all the way up through a pro I don't I'm worried a little bit about the development of like that's the main thing the G League has to hit on it has to make sure these guys are getting proper reps and not just giving them the ball and saying, go have fun and make us some money. So there's two things here. One, the G League uh, could tell these guys no, right? Like, I'm going to go to the G League, and here's some prospect that's a fringe NBA prospect. They could tell them no, right? Um, so this isn't like the clearing for the NBA draft where you're entering your name into the draft and you're really not sure where you're going to go. You're going to be like, hey, I want to go to the G League. And the G League could be like, no, like you're not an NBA caliber prospect. We don't believe. Um, the other thing is, my counter to the development thing is, what's the proof that college coaches are developing these guys well? Jaron Jackson Jr. at, at Michigan State was misused. Uh, Coach K has a pretty long history at this point of not developing one-and-dones. Uh, Calipari does a good job of getting the one-and-dones to buy into a system that's best for the team. And it's not these coaches' fault, right? Calipari, Coach K... Tom Izzo, their job is to win college basketball games, not develop one-and-done players. So I don't actually think these guys are getting put in the best position to succeed in college as much as they are being put in the best position for the coaches to succeed. So there are exceptions to the rule, right, where some of these college coaches are going to help them develop over a period of time. But if the options to be developed are, hey, you have to go to classes, hey, you're not actually going to be put in a position to succeed personally. You're going to be put in a position to succeed for the greater good, which is the college. Or you could every single day you could wake up and be a pro with pro coaches, pro trainers, pro nutritionists, pro this, pro, this, pro that. Like the, the development thing, that's what the G League's trying to do now. They're trying to put it in place with that team in L.A. where it's all going to be centralized to start. Yeah. I, I think it's going to take a long time, right? Like, there's going to be guys that are going to want to do this jump early. And some guys just need money, right? And there's also the thing, guys, not all, not all, call, like, not everybody wants to go to college. Some guys just want to be basketball players, which is fine. They're going to have other options than, other than the G League. We're always going to have those guys. Um, but like the G League's responsibility here is just to be like, if a guy wants to go and he's not viewed as a prospect, they just tell him no. That ends that. Now, if that guy wants to go to the NBL or a different league, that's on him at this point. Um, but the developmental part, I do think they're already starting to process and plan. Now, so, do you think trying to centralize places like the NBL are more affected than college? Because last year they had, well, this year rather, they had Lamella Ball, who's considered the top pick in this year's draft, and RJ Hampton, who's I, I think is a top fifteen talent at least, probably even a little more talented. We haven't really talked about him much, but the mix of travel and then just the convenience of all right, I'll just go pro and go to. LA or I'll say in New York and Westchester. Do you think the NBL is the one that's going to get hit harder? Because I haven't watched that much NBL, but from what I've heard, it's an entertaining league. 
and LaMelo and RJ kind of opened up a new realm of possibilities for college prospects and entertainment for us. You think the G League's going to just start eating into that versus eating into college? Yeah, more so, more so, way more so than in college because the NBL, listen, man, they made all the right decisions here, right? They open up this, I, I, I don't remember the name of their pathway. I think it's Rising Stars or whatever. But they not only got LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton there, then they made these great streaming deals where they made all their games readily available for people that want to watch those kids play. They were, if they had more time, right? Like if they had more time, they could have built something semi-special there. But the, like you mentioned, the, the biggest issue with getting kids to go over there wasn't the lack of money or people scouts being able to see them, right? Like people know who RJ Hampton and LaMelo Ball are. They're going to watch them play, uh, especially NBA scouts. It's like, hey, like if you're an 18, 17-year-old kid, do you want to go to Australia? Probably not, right? Now it's like, hey, do you want to go for even more money? Do you want to go to LA? Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're going to miss out on those kind of level. Like they're going to miss out. Like if that option was available realistically to RJ Hampton and LaMelo Ball, they're probably going to LA instead of going. Now the LaMelo Ball thing is a little more interesting because there's the whole Barstool owned a team there. And then he wants to, now he wants to own a team there. So there's layers there for him specifically, but like the one, like, the other, the other whole side of this is like the one and done era is coming to a close, like in a year or two where it's going to be prepped to pros again. So I don't know how much this was going to keep going for them. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they started this program five or six years too late. Like by the time Amoni, ba- Amoni Bates is ready to be, you know, coming out of high school, he's going to be able to go straight to the yeah. NBA. You know what I mean? So they weren't going to get a shot at him. The G League was aren't going to get a shot at him. Like he's going to be able to go right to the NBA. So, and that also goes to the whole college conversation too. Like, is this the death of college? Well, listen, the one and done era is basically over at this point anyway. So this was just the natural progression. the The thing to keep an eye on for is like, and I, like I, I really mean this. It's it's probably going to take years, five years from now. Like when the one and done era is gone, the prep the pro era is back. And then you have the so you have those like five to ten kids declaring straight out of high school per year. Are they going to start treating the G League more like a developmental system where it won't be frowned upon to put the number four pick in the G League to start the year, right? So he actually gets minutes. He's like lost in time. People forget like when Kobe Bryant came straight out of high school, he struggled his rookie yep. year. You know what I mean? His he wasn't physically matured. Same with like Jermaine O'Neal and Chris Bosh and stuff like that. Like Kevin Garnett kind of banged right out of the gate. Um, so did a couple other dudes, but like mostly these guys aren't physically mature enough. So like, are they going to treat the G League like, hey, I know we chose so and so number four overall, but he needs to mature. He needs to learn how to grind. He needs to learn how to be a professional. He's going to spend two months in the G League before we call him up. Then the other thing to look out to keep an eye on. I don't want to say look out for. Keep an eye on is the next wave of guys under that. The the guys you mentioned before, like the guys that would be right outside the lottery, but still first round picks. Do they start populating the G League as well? Like, does it become a true farm system? And I think that's going to take years and years and years and years and years for that to actually get there. I think step one is this. Step two is the one and done era going away, which is like very soon. The next step is doing away with the doing away with the uh oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the idea that 
being in the G League is a negative for a prospect, that it should be as a positive. And I think that's why they're really trying to centralize this in one city um, so they could get the best scouts or the best trainers there, the best everything, the best for development there. Um, and to kind of see how it goes from there because then you'll have the mix of guys that were drafted in the G League and then guys that signed with the G League out of high school, which will be two different things, right? Like number three pick overall, so-and-so, he's going to spend two months in the G League. The high school player that wasn't going to get drafted, but he, they still think he's good enough to be developed there, getting paid $100,000 a year to be in the G League. There'll be like different layers to it. And that's what I'm excited for because that European soccer-style farm system where as time goes on and the NFL remains this violent sport where we learn more and more that head trauma is bad and uh like the joke from friday the 13th uh jason goes to space jason x that all those violent sports were banned um if that ever does happen which you know isn't like you know maybe someday um we're gonna have like this super huge farm system i'm telling you it's gonna happen maybe not like soon but like in 20 years man the and basketball is such an easy sport where guys that all you need is a ball in a, in a park, right, to play basketball. What do you need to play baseball? It's a lot more expensive. What do you need to play hockey? It's a lot more expensive. What do you need to do golf? It's a lot more expensive. Even football, right? You can't train to be an offensive lineman yeah. when you're 10 years old. To get better, better at basketball, you just need a ball. And a yeah. Ball. And so I think, I think it's going to grow. And I think this is a long-term plan. Maybe I'm giving them far too much credit here, but I think this is a very long-term plan by the NBA to be like, hey, we need to start this system now and we'll start now with the kids that are like 18 and then eventually like listen this could be like the way it is overseas where like the 14 year old kids playing on some semi-pro league yeah that's the more interesting part for me i don't know if they would ever do this because the draft makes so much money but i would like to get to a system where let's say let's use Cade cunningham again because that's my favorite player next year i want to be able for the westchester knicks to sign Cade cunningham and then have him go up through the next. Like, just get rid of the draft altogether. Maybe have a moratorium for G League teams to offer contracts. Maybe kind of like the MLB draft, actually, where you draft someone and they go into your system. Well, you have an opportunity to sign them, and they go into your minor league system before getting called up, and they have to stay down there for a year. Maybe that's a good middle ground, and if the viewership reaches the point where they can write off the draft and the draft lottery, which I'm sure pulls in ad revenue out the ass especially lately with all these big names like zion last year lord knows how much money he made not just duke in college but even the nba during the nba pre-draft process so maybe that's the middle ground they have to achieve before they go all in but i would love to get away from the draft i think the draft's one of the stupidest ways that to have prospects especially in the nba where there's a lottery if you got rid of the lottery and all that nonsense, you probably have teams going balls to the wall every time because there's no incentive to losing them. There's more incentive on scouting. Well, right. Well, here's, well, here's the thing. So if you play, I agree with you, right? The NBA draft's outdated. It's archaic. And it's it incentivizes losing. If you play this out, right, like the way we're talking about, you put that farm system in and you get like, all right, so let's use Amoni Bates, right? He's 16 years old. They already calling him the next like the next thing like it's it went Jordan, LeBron. What area? What uh, area is he no from? He's gonna be like not to put you. Uh, oh, no, sorry. No, it's like, I'll look it up. Go ahead. Keep on going. All right. So say now 
they go, all right, we can't assign him to a pro team, right? Like you can't draft a 16 year old kid, but if he wants to sign with the farm system under whatever team, right? Like, all right, well, my dream is to play for the Knicks. All right. So he signs with the Knicks who assign him to the Westchester Knicks and for however many years, right? So he's 16 for two years. Then the odds after that, though, because they put him in his developmental, their developmental system, they get first crack of signing him, not drafting him, signing him when he turns of adult age. So like that first year when he's 16, probably doesn't actually play any G League games, but he gets to work out with the team. They put him in school, whatever the the logistics of it are. Then when he's 17, maybe he, he he's still only going to be in high school. You let him play in certain night games a week. But he's getting paid for all this, by the way. Like, this is, you know, because it's not college basketball. It's professional. And they're still paying for his high school education. Da, 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 da. And then when he turns 18 and he's allowed to be a professional, I know you technically, legally, in most states, you're allowed to be a professional at 16, yeah. but there's, like, you know, child labor laws and stuff. So when he's 18 and he's able to do it without restriction, the Knicks get first crack at him, right? So these guys are signing with the system. And what happens here, too, is it becomes important for these franchises all of them that we, we just use the knicks as an example because this is a Knicks podcast um to have a good farm system a good development system he's like even if you grew up in new york and your dream was to play for the knicks and all you hear is oh their their farm system their development developmental system is not good you're not going to choose them you're going to choose like the mavs or whoever the other team's going to be so it put emphasis on that then it makes the westchester knicks exciting right so then you're you're tapping into two markets one fan base, right? Two markets, one fan base. Then if you continue to play this out down the road and this becomes appealing, not only to high school kids and then international kids down the line, depending on the money um, to incentivize, not losing because we already did away with that because these kids are no longer getting drafted. They're signing with the franchise. They want to sign with not the franchise, the farm system they want to sign with. And then the franchise has the first crack at signing them. Um, then you could do relegation as well. Maybe not at the very top level because there's no way you're gonna ever going to convince even the worst franchises in the NBA that relegate. You're, if you're the Magic and you're the owner of the Magic, you're not going to be like, yeah, I'm okay with relegation because you're going to lose so much money going down. But then you could have tiers of the G League where there's relegation and you could go to more more markets, secondary markets, right? Like Westchester's like a pretty decent-sized market. But we're talking like way other fringier markets that would never be touched, like, Somebody like me, I Scranton Wilkes Bear. They we get a market. Like we have a Triple A baseball team and a Triple A hockey team. The yeah, two Penguins good teams by the way. In Scranton. They do you really well here. You put you get yeah. So you you, you give us a, a pro basketball team. Like even if it's just a G League, they'll get support. And then what you do is you, but because the the our market is small, like here. So like you would start like we'd be on the lowest G League tier, while Westchester would be in the highest. And then, like, but you do this relegation thing where it's fun, where you put something at stake, right? Because it can't just be the players that matter at this level. Because yeah. you're only then turning in to watch Amoni Bates. You need to get the guy, you need to get the area and the people invested in the franchise. Well, what's at stake? It can't be a G League title. Nobody cares. Make it that you could be on a higher stage. And listen, man, then you're talking about it affecting cities' economies in good and positive ways. And you're you're raising the stakes, and this is way down the line. Like I'm, ta- this is like 50 years down the line stuff. But I'm just saying, like the way we're talking about, it, if you play it out, the way I would do it, not a businessman, 
no, not an economy expert. So take it with a grain of salt. This has, you know, the potential to grow into this legitimately huge. I, I don't want to say global because obviously basketball is already global, but this thing where it makes everything else defunct. You know what I mean? Because you could be able to offer all these kids school and college and blah, blah, blah. It'll just be part of the system. And then, you know, there's all that extra money to be made and more people get a cut of it. And then it's not so bad to be only the 4,555th best player in the planet. Because what? You you make a full-time salary in the G League in the second tier in Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Do you know what I mean? So... I think yeah. everybody eats this way if you play it out down the line like that. I just rambled a lot about my dream of basically that was outside. No, I like it. And so I, I could get me a it just gave me a good idea on the spot. What if like let's say you sign with <clears throat> excuse me. What if you sign with Westchester and part of the deal is let's say the Knicks have a deal with NYU where they're gonna give you a full ride to NYU and you don't have to take like they're not just gonna say, All right, you have to go to X amount of classes to qualify. Send them to financial literacy class. Make sure they know how to manage their money because we've seen it before where guys get money too fast. Not as much. I feel like the kids coming up now are way more financially literate, but you know, in the past where we see there's a whole ESPN 30 for 30 on broke where guys like Antoine Walker were just pissing through money because it was new to them. And it's just, it's just human nature. If you're overwhelmed with that much money, you're just naturally going to fuck it up. So maybe just partnering up with colleges to make sure they're, giving the kids the right tools to just be a beast where half your day is spent working on basketball. And then the other day is learning. All right, I've got, I got to manage. I got to pay it on this amount for a game. I got to put that to the side. I got to pay bills. I got to do this. I think that's the future. And the Toronto Raptors are ready kind of treat They're for, to my knowledge, they're the only team that treats their G league like an Academy. And I think if you were able to partner up with colleges and just offer that, it gets to start to feel like the academy. And I go agree with you 100% on letting the team allow, like give them the first shot at signing the player. Because what if Kate doesn't like the Westchester Knicks? What if Jalen Green signs with the Santa Cruz Warriors and he just doesn't like it? He's like, I just want to play for the Clippers. I want to play for the Seattle Supersonics if they were to ever come back. You know, that, that that type of thing. And another point on <laughs> right. getting to other areas, I think that's a great way for the league to expand without having to dedicate so much money. Like, I think you could house a G League team in Louisville, Kentucky, or Lexington, Kentucky, rather easy. Just split the games with UK or split the games with Louisville and just say, all right, we'll give you the court during this period because they're not going to play the same time as college guys, obviously. The G League is going to take place when the college season isn't in swing. Or just try and map it out with it. You could figure it out. Then you could go to Louisville. You could go to St. Louis. You can go to places in the South, Memphis. Like, yes, probably, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And you're back in Seattle. I want to. I feel like they should move, like the Timberwolves, for example, move them to Seattle, and then just give Minnesota a G League team for at first and see how they like it. Because a lot of people just don't have. Like, whenever I watch a Timberwolves game, it's not going crazy. But I know Seattle's a basketball hub, so maybe the NBA could start focusing on those basketball hubs and let the G league go to the areas where like new Orleans, nobody sees like Pelican games are rarely sold out and they've had Anthony Davis and now they have Zion Williamson. Chances are, it's not going to get much better than that in terms of watchability and those places aren't packed. So maybe you just start, you know, reorganizing 
to a league where the top of the best of the best are in the places that love basketball the most. Like we have like look at Memphis versus New Orleans. Memphis basketball city. New Orleans is more of a football city. So give them a G League team. If they start to show interest, maybe you go back there. But then you have market you have markets like Pittsburgh. Like I use Scranton Wilkesbury because I live here and I, you know, yeah. selfishly want to think, but like in Pennsylvania alone, you have Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Like yeah. have a team there, a G League team there. Then that's where relegation also like this is like way down the line thinking, but like you could have like one NBA team per state, not like literally per state, because you only want like the 30 teams. Like you could have like eight G League teams per state because there's so many markets that just go untouched. That yeah. because and there's only there, it's there's only G League teams, right? right. Now, and right. then it's expensive to start a franchise somewhere, like an actual pro franchise. But if you're only gonna like pay rent or lease to go to the KFC Yum Center, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> exactly. That's a big difference. Plus, you're like when you're talking about these lower tiers, then you're not like the very top tier of the G League. Yeah, like some of the guys are gonna make five hundred grand a year. But like when you're investing in the 16 year old kid, right. Or even not doing that. Like when you're doing just like, Hey, you're going to be in our farm system. You're our single a guy, right? Like you're our um, only local people get, get this reference in script. Well, the Greg leg, the guy that'll only touch the pros for a quick cup of coffee as a, like a tip of a cap for helping us get our farm system together. Mm-hmm. You're paying that guy like 50 grand a year and maybe helping them with their schooling a little bit. Like, so then like, those things aren't that expensive to get go- get going, but then you're touching these markets. Then you can maybe be able to help turn some of these markets into basketball hotbeds, right? Like there are places that don't consume basketball just because basketball is not there at the moment, right? Like I know everybody, like the world is a much smaller place. Everybody has access to TV, but there's still something to set, be said about live sports to actually going to see it, to fall in love with it, right? Like if you ever talk to a hockey fan, they're like, well, you won't love hockey unless you go see it live. And I think that applies to almost every sport. Which is 100% hmm, right? true, by the way. It is, right? Like, I've seen Hockey Live. It's tremendous. I can't watch it on TV, though. But, like, if you put basketball, like, you know, a, a G League team and, like, insert city. I don't want to use an actual city because I don't want people to get mad at me. But, like, insert city that doesn't isn't known as this place that loves basketball as much as maybe it loves football or baseball or whatever. Maybe it'll never reach this crazy peak of popularity, but it might reach it enough where it helps the long terms uh sustainability of nba ratings so they watch their 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 second tier g league team they fall in love with it because you know it's probably cheap to go to the game it's 10 bucks to get a ticket 10 bucks to go see because they'll probably be filled with local kids too right local division one stars that really aren't great enough to be in the nba but guys they they loved in college or whatever they go see them play and then you know they're like hey basketball is fun and then they because of that that local team now likes the nba team that G League's affiliated with. You know what I mean? So the Westchester Knicks, all those fans they have now that which would grow in size and then whatever teams underneath the Westchester Knicks, then they're all Knicks fans. You know what I mean? Yep. Now there's Knicks fans and now there's more Thunder fans and so on and so forth. So um and we just went Galaxy Brain. I did. It's my fault. No, I love it. No, there. this is I mean that's what this I wanted this episode to be because I do think like you did say that this won't affect college, but I think this is also a bigger scope on basketball i think basketball could get on the level because european soccer is far and away the most popular sport in the world i think basketballs are the american sport with the best chance because like you said it's so easy to pick up it's the same as soccer soccer you just need a ball and a something to shoot it into same thing with basketball so i do think this is a major step towards getting towards that model and just to add on to that 
You can also have, I think Steph Curry played for Santa Cruz this year just as a warm-up. You can start getting into that where let's say you get Jalen Green goes to, he's from Fresno, so let's just say L.A. Let's say Anthony Davis sprains his knee and is out for like two months. Before he comes back, he has to do a rehab game. Because I'm just using this from baseball because you have yeah, just like you have Scranton Wilkes-Bear Rail Riders. I have Trenton Thunder in Jersey. There was time there was a time where A Rod was doing uh you know a whole rehab tour because he was out for a year. People got to see him at Trenton for twenty bucks. So Oh dude, it's so dope. Yeah, and it's, it costs the players nothing. It's just all right, I'm playing right. games. Dude, like when whenever it still happens. Listen, the the baby I we call them the baby Yankees, whatever. The real riders, when the real riders land one of the Yankees, right? Uh they already draw. The real riders draw a pretty good crowd regardless, because like we live I live in like a sports hungry market. But like you put down whoever Aaron Judge gets sent down, my God, that place is packed. And it boosts yeah. the economy. It does. Like our my local economy gets a boost whenever a Yankee gets sent down because they have to rehab for injury. Now you do that with the the G League. You know what I mean? Like you just have to do away with that stigma. You know what I mean? Which they can't. Like it just happened. They're doing it now. They're trying to do it now by getting Jalen Green in there and doing the centralized thing. And it's going to take time. Like that's why I said, like when people are doing like the end of the end of college basketball columns, they're right, but like they're like three decades off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's going to happen. But like this is such like you can't do this overnight because unless the NBA and NBA owners, which they're not going to be, and I don't blame them, are literally willing to like just dump like multiple billions of dollars onto this project, like right this second, which they, they're not, and nor they shouldn't be a bad business move. It's going to take years because they're going to want to do a baby step at a time, make a return on their investment, then dump a little bit more money. And it's just going to be this endless cycle slowly by slowly chipping away. And they're going to let the NCAA also cannibalize itself, right? Because it's not updating with the times and all this stuff. And yeah, like I'm, Oh man, I get excited thinking about these. <laughs> I'm going to be an old man by the time this happens, but like I've been talking about this idea for years. I really think this is like the first baby step. Well, it's actually a major step, but like the first of like a bazillion steps that are going to take where, you know, like that soccer style system. Yeah, it has to. And I looked up Amani Bates. He's actually from Michigan, which is very interesting because the Detroit Pistons stink. There's no reason to watch Detroit Piston basketball since Ben Wallace and Chauncey Billups were there. You put Amani Bates in their G League system. Suddenly, that's an exciting thing to look forward to. And let's say Blake Griffin, who's perpetually injured, let's say he's coming back. Now you can get a night where you could get Amani Bates and Blake Griffin. This is all hypothetical, obviously. I don't think Blake Griffin's going to be right. there. But you can get that where it's like, oh, shit, Blake Griffin used to be one of the best dunkers 10 years ago. Now he's going to get to play with the future. That's going to be a fun night. And that for one night. Dude, imagine, imagine, imagine the broadcasting rights they get, like the the team TV agreement deals they could get for that by just pitching yeah. that idea. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like I know it's the G League, it's the lower league, but some nights of the year, you're gonna get like the aging out superstar who has to rehab a little bit, paired next to the next yeah. big thing. Do you know what I mean? Like Vince Carter got to go down for a little bit because he has to rehab, and then he's paired with the next bit. Like those things are really neat. Like it's. And like the the to, to actually flesh it out a little bit here because I don't want people yelling at me <laughs> later. The idea of these guys getting into farm systems and the teams getting to bid on them first, right? Because the teams are going to have to invest into mm. the kid, so like they're going to invest money and you know resources in the kid. They get the first bid at the kid because they invested that money, and they they're allowed to ha- offer like a higher max than any yeah. other team in the league. 
that's the way to do it, right? But the kid still gets to pick where he wants to go. But he's incentivized to stay because the Knicks could offer him, you know, like a million more per his rookie contract as opposed to like whatever other team because they already invested money into him or whatever. So I just want to flesh it out real quick so people go, well, what's going to make a kid want to stay after the team already invested money? Something like that where he's incentivized to stay by having a higher max. On yeah, and I think this also plays into what the – we went Bill, we're going Bill Simmons here. <laughs> Bill Simmons pretend uh, shit's going to happen yeah. type of deal. I can't believe this. No, but I, I, it's plausible. Like, I don't know if the specifics, especially my take with the college partnership, I don't think that's ever going to happen, but I would love for it to happen. But one thing, and now I just lost my train of thought, but. <laughs> no, it's that's all my good. fault because I'm just like yelling into my microphone. No, no, it's good. Point. and I think it's a discussion that needs to be had. And. Oh, <laughs> what was... oh! Do you watch no, Leopard Show? Well, I, I oh, okay. used that's to, but I'm, that, uh... now my work schedule's all wacky, so I can't. That's something Stu got. That's something Stu got says right <laughs> when uh, Leopard talking about something he does. <laughs> hey, if I get called Scoot Stu Gots, that's that's a pretty good day. Um, shit! What I wanted to say something and I completely forgot. Well, anyway, did you want to break out in time? No, not today. But I will rain check that. Shit, man. I was really about to say, ah, whatever. But what is your favorite? Who's your favorite Destiny's Child member that's not uh, Beyonce? Kelly Rowland, easily. Yeah, me, yeah, me too. Like, really easily, isn't it? Like, I was talking about this the other day with somebody. I don't know how we got in the topic, but uh, it's one I can't name. I the third member is Michelle yeah, Williams. The, correct? She's like the Meg Griffin of Destiny's Child. Yeah. Well, if you go way back, there's two other members that got booted out like right before they became super big. But Kelly Rowland, man, she like she was in Friday, uh, Freddy vs. Jason. She had like a good. Yeah, she's still fine. There. So, yeah, and she. I haven't seen a picture is. of yep. her. Doesn't age. Yes. Ooh. I, I doesn't listen, man. There's some girl like uh, Maria Bello doesn't age. Uh, Jennifer Conley doesn't age. There's some people that Jennifer Lopez. Like, I mean, yeah, we could go on and on. Oh my god! Um, before we get out of here, I just wanted to do. It doesn't have to be anything extensive. <laughs> if everybody's at this point of the podcast, it's like, oh, there's two guys, creepy guys <laughs> talking about women, women that don't age. Um, so I released yeah. uh, my latest edition of the TKW draft board, focused on the second first round pick, and two guys. We talked about Tyler Bain, Sadiq Bay already. We talked about Precious Achawa, but real quick, I wanted like two minutes on him, real quick. I did not – shout out to Sam Ficini at the Athletic because I didn't really look at Precious as a small ball five, but I have him over Tyler Bay because of that, where I think Precious can guard one through five, and I think that's something that should be a selling point for him because right now he's projected all over the place. He's the one prospect that I've seen top 10, number 29th overall, 15th overall. So I feel like he's the biggest enigma in the draft. Would would you like? What's your selling point with Precious? I know we talked about him in previous episodes, but is that am I on the right track with that? Where he can just be a defensive menace at all positions. So here's well, listen. Sam's way better at this than I am. So like, what you're basically asking is, can he be Bam? I'm gonna buy kind of kind of like a mix of Bam, Bam and Justice Winslow, two Heat guys that I love. Right. So like. Which is like a really high ceiling 100%. to hope, right? Like Bam way exceeded expectations. He's like an all-star level. He's gonna be like he's gonna be a superstar. So like 
Um, but Sam's way better at this than I am. So like, I would defer to his line of thinking. So like, if the line of thinking is, even if he doesn't reach like the absolute highest pinnacle of being able to defend all five positions, um, is a dude that could guard, you know, three, four, five positions on defense, really appealing in a draft. That's really otherwise bad. Hell yeah, it is. Do you mean like that was, listen, like if you go back to Draymond Green coming out of college, I love Draymond at Michigan state, like his appeal. Yeah, but his appeal, right, was, and this is before the small ball revolution and all this stuff, it was like, hey, he could probably guard the five a little bit, the four, maybe even some of the three, and he'll rebound, right? That was his appeal. Like, it wasn't really, like, this idea that that will be helpful offensively or anything like that. Um, Knowing what we know now, that best, like, you know, there's not going to be as many big-bodied centers, and the game is more quick and agile than ever before. If you're telling me you're going to get a guy, like even if it's not all five positions, if it's three positions in a bad draft, yes, sign me up. Take, Give me that over all these other dudes who I have no idea what they're good at. So, yeah, like I'm I'm not as high on him as others. I don't know if he could guard all five. I don't think he could guard all five positions. I think he could guard three solidly, three positions solidly, maybe four. I don't see him being able to keep pace with yeah. – it depends who's on the court. Like, And this is like the argument that, well, then he could actually – defend five positions if it depends who's on the court because if it's a smaller five then you can defend him and if it's a slower one then he could also defend them but um yeah sign me up for it i i'm i'm here for it like i i yeah, that's to that kind of what easy. made me i want i, want, I don't want to be harsh on tyler babe because he hasn't done anything wrong but that's kind of yeah, yeah like those games have been played so not, exactly like, yeah, but that's kind of not i didn't think that specifically but i did kind of be like eh, is this guy really worth that pick if i can also get someone who potentially can guard five positions and that's the last point where you said we're in this draft specifically i feel like potential you got to weigh potential and floor way more than ceiling at this point and that's why i had precious over that above precious though i added a new person kira lewis sophomore guard out of alabama but still really young i believe he's going to be 20 years old whenever he is drafted he just turned 20 lightning fast he shoots decently. I don't think he's ever going to be a sniper, but he's averaging his career averages are 15.9 points, four assists, 3.6 rebounds at 1.3 steals. And when you watch him on the floor, he's a blur. Like he just speeds past people. Sometimes that did bite him in the ass. There is a clip uh, posted by Eli Cohen. That was really funny. It was Tyrese Halliburton. who was probably the polar opposite. He's more methodical, slow paced, but very cerebral. And Kira Lewis just sped past him as Halliburton did a very easy spin and turn and then hit a jump shot. So what do you think about Kira Lewis's potential? Do you see potential star? Because Fran Fraschilla was talking about him like he's a bona fide steal at 27, if possible. I have similar feelings, but I think he could fill that role that Dennis Smith never filled for the Knicks, which was energetic guard who can, you know, bring that energy when it's needed or keep that energy up when it's when the starters come out good. Yeah, so like it's relative to where he gets drafted. So like you're ta- we're talking like very back end of the first round. Um his ceilings like for me, like the way I view him, his ceiling's not super high, right? Because you mentioned like he's probably not gonna be this like ridiculous sharpshooter guy. Like oh man, I'm I'm trying to do this in a way where I'm not bashing his ceiling in a way that's not really because he is still young. Um so like when Carson Edwards got drafted by the, or the Celtics scooped up Carson Edwards and he way overperformed early and you're like, Hey, that's a really good bench dude to have that. Like maybe once in a while he'll get super hot. 
even though him and Kara Lewis are different kind of players, right? Carson Wentz shoots a lot of threes. Um, But, like, he's quick and agile and all that stuff. Kara Lewis is – if you're going to try to put a value on him, I guess the way I would ask it – or I'd ask a Knicks fan, right? Like, if you're a Knicks fan, Mm -hmm. um, hey, what would you think about getting poor man's Colin – like, very poor man's Colin Sexton without the ceiling and without the defense? But very poor man's Colin Sexton. Would that interest you? And then in my head, I'd go, if I'm a Knicks fan, nah. I already have a bunch of guards that can't shoot. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, like, but, like, at 28, like at, or at the very end of the first round, mm-hmm. sometimes you just got to, you know, be, like, best available. And is he going to be one of the best? He's going to be, like, one of the best, if he makes it that far, is going to be one of the best available dudes. Sometimes you just take a shot at the dark. And that's why, like, this isn't trying to circle back to the other conversation, but Kareth Lewis is a dude that needs to develop more. Mm-hmm. And this is nothing against Alabama and Nate Oates or anything like that. It's just like he needs to be in a system where he could develop and, and you know, try to improve some of his game because he's a lot, he has a lot of natural athletic athletic abilities. Hey, like a stint in the in the G League in Westchester wouldn't be bad for him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I agree. If 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 Westchester is set up enough develop, to develop a guy, so yeah, man, I like him. Another dude, like again, it's relative to where they're being drafted. If you told me Kara Lewis was in your lottery, I'd be like, eh. You know, but like at you know back in first round, sure. Like I, I like I, I thought he was a fun college basketball player to watch. There's a lot of things to like about him. I do think his ceiling's really low because he's not like on the you know the the up echelon of of tiers of these super great athletes. Mm-hmm. But he is so reliant upon his athleticism that makes me concerned about his ability to transition to the next level. Um, but like yeah, and I also like put a limit on his shooting. Doesn't mean he can't improve his shooting. It's just his stroke and his, 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 the whole thing doesn't project for it to do great, but at 28, 29, whatever. Um, I don't know if it lasted long because I think people are going to fall in love with him because his tape looks so good, but yeah, I, I like him a lot. Yeah. And the one clip that really made me a fan is I was kind of on the fence because I expect the Knicks to go guard at six overall or wherever they end up picking. He dropped Isaac Okoro, which, I was like, holy shit, was that was I was watching the tape and I was like, wait a minute, is that Isaac Okoro? And then I remember him destroying Georgia. So I was like, all right, this kid's this kid's pretty solid. And, but who hasn't destroyed Georgia? Right. But more no, I, the Okoro was definitely the highlight that piqued my interest the most. Because I mean Isaac Okoro I think is probably the best perimeter defender in the draft, if not one of the three best. Oh yeah. So. That 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 totally yeah that totally so it was that was impressive but yeah i think i mean just circling back to the main theme of this whole draft it's floor and potential floor over ceiling where i know kira lewis at the very least is fast and can get me breakaway layups where i don't know somebody like cole anthony taking him at sixth overall he could be good with more spacing but we had that problem with rj barrett i don't know but kind of in that same theme, coming in last on my board was Jalen Smith, a forward center out of Maryland, also a two-year player. He has the goggle vibe going, which I kind of like. <laughs> Ferocious dunker. He's also added a jump shot, though, where that's really interesting. I think if he can consistently hit a three ball, like the low 30s since he's a center, if he's hitting mid-30s, sign me up 100%. But... What did you see of him? He was one of Maryland's best players, and Maryland had a good year overall in the Big Ten. They kind of fell apart towards the end. They got washed by my Rutgers Scarlet Knights in Piscataway. But 6'10", 
can defend the four or five. What are you? Do you like Jalen Smith? Did you watch him a lot in college, or any takes on? Yeah, him? I, th- I, I, I really like. I think he's fluid. Uh, I know this is gonna be a weird thing to say about a basketball player, but he's very coordinated uh, for like his size. Like everything seems like silky and smooth. Like it doesn't feel awkward. But like when I watch him play, like some bigs, like you watch them, you're like, yeah, that doesn't. Like even good players, right? Like I watch Chris Stops, and sometimes I'm like, ah, he's a little wonky. Um, I never get the wonky vibes from Jalen Smith. Um, like obviously like he's young, like a lot of young guys, you're going to need some, uh, posts like footwork and stuff like that. But like, he, like you said, he could shoot a little bit. I think he shot above like 30% from three. I know it was only like under just under three, three attempts per mm-hmm. game. Um, he's going to have to put on weight. Like, but I mean like what 18, 19 year old kid doesn't have to put on weight. Like 20 year old kid. Uh, especially when they're like six ten, six eleven. So yeah, I like I like I like him a lot. I I think I'm gonna do, I don't want to do the thing where I'm gonna hold guys against him like other wiry, fluid looking mm-hmm. bigs. Like I like Justin Patton a lot. A couple years ago, out of Creighton. Me too, man. I can't was believe way, he was a bum. Right, right. Me too. But like I and but and he was way more productive numbers wise. Like I, his efficiency numbers were through the roof. He blocked like nine thousand shots mm-hmm. per game. Um. I don't know if I'm going to like, I don't want to do the thing where I use uh, him against Jalen Smith. And then like, you try to use the hindsight thing. Well, what was wrong with Justin Patton? And it's like, well, he was a little wonky, right? Like he looked really fluid in transition. But then when you put him in the half court, how did he look? Yep. Not great. Right. And on that Creighton team, he was like to start the season, he was their fourth best player. So like nobody cared about him. That's why he was able to eat in hindsight, right? Having the ability to hindsight. Why did Justin Patton look so good? at? Well, Creighton? did he also, because he was actually Patton also get hurt. Like it hurt his knee, and I think that plays into the wonkiness because I know Kristaps Porzingis. I know Nick fans don't want to hear that name, but a big reason he got hurt was the way he was moving his body. It wasn't fluid. So I right. think there, there is there, stock. There's that. something that's going to be a wonky. Yeah, I, I I really do think there is, and I don't see the wonkiness in Jalen Smith. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be good. It gives me hope that he's not going to be injury prone. That he'll be able to develop better. Um, I guess my concern is. And it's always this way, kind of, because it's weird, because I'll also do the opposite with guys that produce a lot in college. I'm like, well, just because he produced a lot in college doesn't mean he'll produce in mm-hmm. pros. You would, I was hoping he'd produce even more at the college level, but the Big Ten was sneaky good yeah. this year, this past season. And it's a defensive heavy league, right? Like, we talked about Rutgers early. Like, Steve Peichel's going to pound the nails. Like, he's going to slow down the game. Purdue's going to slow down the game. Uh, it's just Michigan, historically, um, I didn't get to watch it on Michigan. You didn't miss so out much. Apologies. Shout out Brian Giverman. Yeah. So, um, but like, maybe that's why his numbers weren't like gaudy looking. So when I watched him play, I probably saw him play 10 times. Maybe I'm being hyperbolic. Maybe it was like eight. Um, he's one of those dudes. We talked about this before in previous podcasts. Did I forget he was on the floor? I never did. He always looked like, it's weird to say like he looked attractive playing basketball, but he was like very fluid. Like it was, it was a, a pleasure to watch him play. Doesn't mean he's gonna be a good pro, but it makes it gives me like an optimism that he he can be because he can develop and all those other. Yeah, things. and just to put a bow on him, he vastly improved that jump shot. He was shooting twenty six point eight percent from deep as a freshman, and now he went up ten full point ten full percentage points up to thirty six point eight. I think he's a hard worker. I mean, I don't know much about him yet, but just like the numbers proof to that and this year he averaged he didn't average 20 points per game but he averaged 15.5 10.5 rebounds 2.4 blocks he's not going to be asked to reinvent the wheel if he was to come to new york he just has to be good 
for the 20 minutes that Mitchell Robinson isn't on the floor. And I think he's capable of that. And the Knicks just need smart, disciplined players and a guy that can improve like that and played on a good team for two years. That's attractive, especially in this draft where, I mean, where is he projected to go? Jaylen? He is actually projected. I have him late first round. Tankathon has him going to the Knicks. I believe the athletic had him going to the Knicks as well. So he's right in that like range. Yeah. Club. I think yeah. that fits. I like him more. I like him more than Kara because um, Kara, I feel like would be redundant at the guard right. position for them a little bit um, where Jalen Smith. Yeah. Like he's also green. Like Mitchell Robinson's still a little green, a little raw, but like what he projects to be good at is different enough than Mitchell Robinson. It's a good, like the guy coming off the bench. Isn't the same guy as Mitchell Robinson is. He's a little bit more of a floor spacer. Um, also athletic and all these other things. Right. But like, He's not Mitchell Robinson, poor man Mitchell Robinson. He's Jalen Smith, who could also be this very good player. And if not that, a different kind of big off the bench. Because I hate the redundant things, right? Like, I hate the idea of, I know this actually matters for a team that's good, as opposed to the Knicks, and the Knicks should just get best player available, right? But, like, I hate the idea of, like, all right, here's Mitchell Robinson, who does XXX really well. He's bad at XXX. Well, let's get another Mitchell Robinson. Well, why? Like, why would you do that? You already have that. Um, that's how I feel about their, I especially feel that way about their guards. I don't mind it so much with their big, their front court, but with their guards, like you need yeah. shooting. It's very clearly the Knicks need shooting. That's why I always like Halliburton going to the Knicks, give them that one guy that definitely has that one translatable skill set that I see in him. But, um, yeah, dude, if Jalen Smith goes to the Knicks late in the first, sign me up. I love yeah, it. He's probably my second. I mean, if I was running the draft for the Knicks, Isaiah Stewart's starting to fall. I know Jess doesn't want to hear that because she wants the best for Isaiah, but I don't want Isaiah. Stewart I don't. I mean, I do that, but I understand why some people won't. He's just. I feel like he is another one. He's kind of like Jalen Smith, where he's a grinder. You know, and Isaiah, I know firsthand because Jess tells me because she's known him for so long. He's a grinder, and that's. I think they have that with RJ Barrett, even Kevin Knox. I mean, people don't like Kevin Knox. He's still a gym rat, so what? This doesn't translate in the, onto the games. That's another story. But those are like Frank Nielakina is another one. Mitchell Robinson. These guys are in the gym a lot. So if you want to create that type of culture, I think you got to target those guys. And Jalen Smith is another one. I mean, you're improving. You can't just. It's just not magically he started hitting threes. He had to bust his ass probably. So those are my top two guys. Precious is also in the mix, but I have a feeling he's going to go earlier than many expect. And with Kira Lewis, I kind of agree with you because let's say you have that second unit of Kira and Frank Nilakina. Who the hell is shooting? You better hope Kevin Knox bumps that average up. Right now he's shooting at a flat rate over his first two years of 34.34%. You better be shooting 40 if you're going to have two guards that may not be able to shoot. So I just think addressing your needs. I think Isaiah Stewart has the potential to be a better version of Taj Gibson where he can stretch the floor a lot more than people expect, and Jalen Smith already can do that because he proved it. So I think that's where the Knicks should be, but like I said, it's also hard to argue against not going best player available, and many people have Kira Lewis shooting up the draft board, which I think is funny because without the combine, I think if there was a combine, Kira Lewis would shoot into the lottery easily in this year. Well, that's the thing too, right? Like uh, Some of these guys w- are going, going to get hurt because there's going to be no Chicago. Yeah. And they're not going to be like, this is like I mentioned before, way earlier in the podcast that like some of these coaches put these guys in 
not great positions to feature themselves or develop or whatever. That's why that Chicago stuff is so important because a lot of these NBA guys could see them raw, right? Like not in somebody else's system. Like I said, all these things about Kara Lewis within the confines of how he was used in Alabama. Like, right. And he was used just so people know first year he was with Avery Johnson, very slow, sloppy offensive system. Then this year I'm drawing, I think Oates was his, Nate yeah, Oates, Nate Oates, yeah. much faster offense, and you saw the difference. He averaged more points per game and just more assists. So it, it's all just where what system fits him in until the Knicks figure out a system because it looks like Tom Thibodeau is the top option. It was another slow grinder. That's another thing to take into account. If they go after somebody like Kenny Atkinson, who's all about running up and down the floor and shooting threes, then maybe you reconsider. Yeah, but like the 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 idea, like for me, the way I view it is because I you can only view them in the context you see them. Like there's like I know a lot of the listeners here are probably young. There used to be an old joke that the only person that was ever able to stop Michael Jordan was Dean yep. Smith <laughs> because he in college the system matters. From what, almost historically, there are exceptions. Uh, the college coach will always put the system above the player, which often limits the player. It actually happened to Vince Carter in college. He wasn't able to actually showcase how good he was because he played alongside very, very good college players. Some of who turned out to be good pros as well, but like the system took, you know, ahead of the thing. Jaron Jackson Jr. Same thing. I'm just like, we can go Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker. Like you said, Cal's probably the most criminal for this or, you know, even the most shit. Well, then there's guys, there's guys, there's there's probably guys that are worse at it. We just don't recognize because they don't have as many pros historically coming out of the college. But like that could apply to guys like Kara Lewis, right? And that's why it stinks for them that they they don't have that Chicago showcase where they could be like, all right, here's me in my raw form. Here's me without the college system. Here's my athleticism, my abilities, my my IQ, my just talk to me type of stuff. Even um, where it stinks for them, like I I feel legitimately bad for that. Like guys like Kara Lewis. Who like a dope like me will come out of podcast and be like, well, here's why I don't like him. And I only get to say that within the context of seeing him at Alabama. And that's why the stuff in Chicago is important because you get that extra outside of the college system context. Yeah. And this is kind of unrelated, but it is college related. Does anybody give Shaka Smart enough shit for being a complete bust at Texas? I, uh, you could go look it up and Google it. I said when he was hired that it wasn't going to work out well because the system he used to run at VCU, he would need 10 five-star players uh, to be tracking out that Havoc defense. And then outside of that, he didn't run a very good offensive system and it won't work at a major conference. Um, I understand at the time they had to move on from Rick Barnes. Like I know Rick Barnes is way successful now at Tennessee, but like sometimes, you know, you just have to move on. But yeah, I think he started getting the proper amount of shit that he needed to get this year. And you know, the pandemic happened. <laughs> so it's uh, something with Texas, man. The yeah, Astros dodge that shit too, man. The pandemic really helped yeah, out so Texas. It, it, it really did. I, dude, I forgot about the Astros stuff until you just yeah. said it. Like the biggest baseball scandal since like the White Sox. And uh, it's it's over because we can't, you know, there's uh, the world's going to end. So. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Texas, man. Yeah. Uh, they do everything big in Texas, yeah. even their failures. Yeah, seriously. They, they, they go boom or bust. I mean. Baylor as well. I mean, actually, yeah, fuck Texas. Baylor's Baylor's awful. Bill O'Brien's awful. Shaka Smart's awful. And 
Baylor. I mean, we could do a podcast on Baylor and their entire. Listen, history. one of my best uh, friends you know, went to Ritter, Baylor, so I felt bad like, that that happened because I was so happy that he went to a school that mattered. But college wise, I mean, college sports wise, but damn, fuck Baylor, man. Well, fuck Art Bryles. Oh, well, and, and some of the Baylor administration there that that was a systematic failure. Like Art Bryles gets thrown, rightfully so, he gets thrown under yeah. the bus. That's a whole whole system of people there that just valued sports over people over kids really like students yeah. over kids they valued it's the same assholes now that say like let's send the the 12 year old kid back to high school because the economy needs a shot in the face. <laughs> it's like fuck you clown. <laughs> you go out and make exactly no but yeah that's that's just, that's yeah man, that was that was a good pod <laughs> like that was a great discussion if you're still here listening right now thank you for uh listen to me basically use 40 minutes of this podcast to beg for the NBA to give me a team in Scranton. No, and I hope they do because not just Scranton, like Scranton, there's a bunch of other, like Indiana. If you put Indiana's a massive basketball town, basketball state. So put them, put them in a random town in Indiana and see how well it does. Because I really do think that has serious legs there's to eight, it, man. There's 8,000 places. Like there's so many places you could put, if you want to, like dab your toe if you're the NBA. Well, they they need to have more teams in in Canada. Um, but outside of that, like if you want to dab that your too. toes in Mexico, I didn't think about that. Put put a G League team in Mexico. City. Yes. Oh my God. My God, it'll kill. It'll do. I mean, so I'm not well. sure like, if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the G League doesn't even have a full 30 teams yet. Like I'm sure there's a couple teams without a feeder program yet, which is inexcusable, especially now. But yeah, you put a team like uh like the Spurs affiliate is in Mexico City. Oh my god, dude, that in Mexico City's so big, like it and is, it's dope. Like whenever the NFL field. goes there, yeah. it's fun. Oh, dude, it it would it would do so well, and then and the, that's also your practice run at like can uh top tier NBA franchise last there. You know what I mean? So it's almost like a test run. It's like when Blockbuster used to be around. You didn't have to buy the video game. Damn, first. throwback, Blockbuster. I'm old. No, I don't know. I, I I still want the blockbuster. I'll be washed with you. We could be washed yeah. together. Well, I feel like that's a good time to. <laughs> yeah. No, that was that was good. So make sure you're following Joe at Joseph Nardone on Twitter. Correct. I didn't fuck that up. Yeah, Joseph Nardone. N A R D O N E. Sorry, I was just taking my hat off, so I didn't hear. No, what all said. good. So yeah, make sure you follow Joe on Twitter. Joe, you got anything to plug? Anything coming up? Uh, not, I mean, like I have projects in the works, but I don't want to say them out loud okay. yet because I don't know where they're going. And, uh, uh, I don't know. Be safe people. Fair enough. That's, I will echo that sentiment and also say, visit the nickswall.com for content. Nick flicks follow, watch any game from Ryan Gray just did a phenomenal job. You could really watch well, so any game back. from the seven, the late, I believe he even has games in the late sixties when the Knicks were actually good. So, yeah, make sure you watch that. There's a bunch of features out there. Uh, Michael Corvo just put revisiting the random Knicks seasons of the past. Uh, Nick Scalero did something on Bobby Portis. Reed Goldsmith on Breaking News with David Blatt. My draft board. Uh, Quentin also did something good on Christian Wood. So just go on thenextwall.com. You'll be entertained easily. We push out stuff daily. Make sure you're following the next wall. Make sure you're following us on Twitch. Uh, Sean Geddes has been doing a great job with his rebuilding project. So make sure you watch that. Listen to draft season. Follow our two other co-hosts who were not able to be here today. 
the flex queen jess reinhardt at jryan44 on twitter and nick carante at the not fake nc make sure you follow them they'll be back and i want to talk about the nbl either next week or the week after so stay tuned until next time guys yeah.